Welcome to the Beware the Moon podcast. My name is Hannah. Uh, and I... <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I said that so aggressively. Uh, sorry about the no intro thing, really. Um, usually I have an intro song. Again, got a new compute. And I'm still kind of looking for sound bites to throw in there. Um, just haven't had time to do it. Um, also, there will no be... There will, there will no be an outro song either. Um, because there will no be. And I just haven't, again, found the time to get that done. But today we're going to be talking about a movie that came out in 2012. If you read the title of the video, the stream, the uh, the podcast episode, uh, you'll know that we are talking about Sinister. And this is a very cool movie for me, just just in my personal history. Um, Back in high school, which is when this came out for me, um, I wasn't really into horror at the time, but this movie very much intrigued me. It sticks out in my mind. I want to say, too, that it's impressive that it sticks out in my mind, because it came out in 2012, and just to give you some, uh, just to give you some heads up on that, uh, what was going on in that year, we had Cabin in the Woods, Chernobyl Diaries, everybody was fucking talking about that, Dark Knight Rises, uh, of course people were talking about that, Dark Shadows, People were talking about that because Johnny Depp, The Devil Inside. I went and saw that with my friends, even though none of us are really were really into horror at that time. But it looked like a fun, kind of campy sort of a deal, and it was. It was very fun, very funny. Uh, my older brother made a really funny comment about the power of Christ absorbs you. Um, <laughs> that will live in my head rent-free forever. We had Lords of Salem come out, which is a Rob Zombie film. Maniac remake with Elijah Wood, Paranormal Activity 4, Prometheus, which is one of the alien prequels, Piranha 3D, which is just fun camp again, Stitches, which is that stupid clown movie, we had an Underworld movie come out, we had VHS, the first one, the horror anthology series, we had The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe, and we just had, like, a shitload of movies, good movies, and that's just... That's basically just the horror films I found that came out in 2012. 2012 was a banger of a year as far as film goes. Um, A lot of classics came out that year. A lot of fun stuff came out that year. Uh, Personally, yeah, I just loved that year. Um, It was good stuff. Um, But Sinister, uh, it sticks out to me. Um, Like I said, I remember people talking about Chernobyl Diaries. I eventually saw Cabin in the Woods on DVD. I went and saw The Devil Inside and The Dark Knight Rises, um, but this one, like I said, it intrigued my non-horror movie-involved self. Um, the trailers just showed up everywhere like fucking crazy. This movie has Ethan Hawke in it, which he's v- typically a very good drama actor, and You know, you see an actor is playing in a certain film and you automatically kind of get the gist of what that film is, right? So Ethan Hawke does very dramatic parts in horror movies. So they're very serious and very gravitas, you know, sort of stuff. Whereas, uh, you know, you get someone, uh, you know, like one of the boys who plays in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, it's probably going to be a little corny, a little rompy, a little fun. Um, you get Bruce Campbell in a film, it's probably going to be a little corny, a little rompy, a little fun. But Ethan Hawke, like I said, he's got that gravitas. He's a drama actor. Um, we have Dr- James Ransone in there, which pr- 
probably not a lot of people know him by name, but they know his face and they can't place it. Um, he is Eddie in It Chapter 2, um, the most recent one. He's the adult Eddie. And then we have Juliet Rylance. I don't know her at all. Looked at her thing. There's not really anything in it that gets me. Um, the writer and the director for this movie is Scott Derrickson, which is kind of not a surprise. He did a, he's doing a segment in VHS 85. He's also done Deliver Us from Evil. He also did The Black Phone with, which had Ethan Hawke. Um, he also did a movie called The Devil's Knot, which is based on the West Memphis Three, which I think is super fascinating. Um, just that whole story in general. And then he also did The Exorcism of Emily Rose. So that kind of gives you an idea of the sort of movies that Scott Derrickson makes and supports and produces. Um, and of course, like these movies that I've mentioned, he's kind of you know, wearing different hats in all of them. You know, he might be a producer on this one, might be writer, director, producer on that one. You know, he, he does a lot of different things for his movies. Um, this movie, I mean, it's good. I would say it's really good. It's got some really cool kills, really gnarly kills. It has the potential to really amp up your anxiety and the tension is really good. The atmosphere is really good. But I would say do not watch any of the trailers. If you watch the trailers for this movie, the whole damn thing is going to be spoiled. Um, it's kind of like watching the Pet Cemetery remake trailer. Everything, you're like, okay, there was this big plot twist and you fucking spoiled it in the trailer. Why, why did you do that? And that's the same thing here. Like, there's a really big plot twist and I remember knowing it because it spoiled it in the trailer. So don't watch the trailers. Don't look up anything about this movie. It, I already, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. It's good. There's some cool stuff in it. The synopsis is this true crime writer moves into the house of a murdered family to find out what happened to them. And then, of course, these, you know, strange shit starts happening. These strange tapes appear in the attic and he finds out the murderers might not have been what they seemed. So that's really all you need to know as far as synopsis. I would say there's a, maybe a little bit of alcohol abuse in this. Um, I mean, Ethan Hawke's character... <laughs> Ellison is basically drowning in whiskey all the fucking time, which I can't blame him in this situation, but at the same time, if that's a trigger for you, don't do it. This might be a skip. And also there's kids dying, so if that really upsets you, don't watch this fucking movie. Um, but again, super good. Don't look at trailers. Go watch it. Don't listen to the rest of this podcast until you've seen it. If you're like, what the fuck is Sinister? Do I know? Do I remember? Do I know anything about this movie? I want you to stop right now. Go look at the film poster. And if you're like, oh, I don't remember this movie at all, go watch it. Just go watch it. If you like horror, you like creepy stuff, you like spooky kids, uh, go watch it and then come back. Because you don't want this movie to be spoiled. It literally, like I wish... I, there was some version of me that had seen this movie before I had the ending spoiled for me because it just, I mean, it doesn't devalue, it doesn't degrade this movie or lessen its value or impact as far as the kills and the story and all that sort of thing. But I would say I wish I would know, I wish I knew what it was like to watch this movie and not know the ending. So... That's my biggest advice. Go watch it. Did you watch it? Are you done watching it? Beautiful. Now let's talk about this fucking cool movie. So, 
we get the cold open, right? And it's this Super 8 film filming this backyard. There's this big-ass tree there. And there are these people who are wearing hoods and they've got nooses around their neck. And these ropes, this rope is attached to a, like, over a branch. And you can see that it's attached to a different branch that is leaning slightly. And someone slowly off camera, like you can't see because they're hidden by the tree, starts sawing the rest of that branch away. So as that branch that is anchoring, that is hold, like attached to all these ropes, falls off the tree, it pulls on this family who is tied to this limb. So they slowly go up and... Oh man, it is, it is fucking gnarly. They do like little leg kicks and you can see that they're kind of struggling. And this is very much an execution, not a suicide pact. Um, and it is very, very disturbing. Um, and it's completely silent. Um, there's no sound, no one's screaming, there's no music. It's just that and that's the cold open. And then we cut straight to moving day. Um, and there's this family moving into this house now. And of course, it's Ethan Hawke's family. And I just have to say, I really like his office. Um, the red carpet and the blue walls, like those shades that they picked. And like, it just, it works. Um, so as they're moving into their house, three sheriffs are, are outside of it. One shows up and the other two leave. Um, and the one stays to talk to the husband, the dad, the writer, Ellison. Um, and dad is having a talk with his daughter, Ashley, about painting. Um, and I think, I, I've always thought that this was like super cool. So they let their daughter paint on the wall in her bedroom because she just loves painting and he's a writer. So of course he's like encouraging her creativity. Um, but he's like, the rule is you just keep it in your bedroom. You don't paint on the walls outside of the bedroom, just paint on the walls in your bedroom. Super fucking dope. So they, they have a talk. Ashley's not happy about being here. Dad promises that once this book he gets written and sold, they can move back to their old house if they don't like it here. So that gets her, you know, part, gets her rallied to be part of the moving day. And as he goes outside, uh, you know, the wife's like, hey, the sheriff's here to talk to you. Be nice to him. And he's like, I'm always nice. You know, so the officer makes it clear he does not like him. Um, we know Ellison writes true crime. And as you can imagine, writing true crime, it, you know, it, it, it rubs people the wrong way, I would imagine, at, you know, in certain places, in certain cities. Um, everybody seems to have their own opinion on um, just true crime, like big, big issue crime. Like, I remember when I was in high school, Casey Anthony, the Casey Anthony case, everybody had a very strong opinion on that. Um, the George, what was his name? George... I don't know, some guy named George something. George Zimmerman, that's what it was. George Zimmerman, that everybody had a really strong opinion on that case. And it's so strange because these big um, publicly paraded, I guess you would say, trials and people and victims and, you know, accusations and such, they, people just form their own opinions about them. And for whatever reason, they're typically very strongly opinioned, like... I mean, Casey Anthony, I don't, I don't know how that woman even walks around um, because people were so strongly 
against her and people so strongly believed that she killed her daughter and i i I mean me personally i believe she killed her daughter um you can't tell me she didn't like there's just no way that that's not the case so like i said people just form their own opinions about such things and they form very strong ones so ellison is basically kind of in a career where he gets thrown in the hot seat a lot so this sheriff um you know, he's talking to Ellison. And the other thing is Ellison writes true crime with the intent to uncover the truth and uncover new evidence. So he thinks that there's always, you know, something that the police department didn't do, yada, yada. The sheriff's like, you know, I know you're kind of type, you know, I know your type, like you're here to stir up trouble and I don't like that. You know, you're going to accuse my boys of, you know, being lazy on the job or whatever. And he's like, hey, no, I appreciate what law enforcement does. I just think that sometimes they get some things wrong. So, um, so Ellison has done a really big one called Kentucky Blood that, um, basically found the truth, uh, behind a certain killing, uh, a certain murder. And of course that was a big deal. Everyone patted him on the back, but then he wrote another book and he came to the wrong conclusion and the killer went free. And it never goes into details about how we know that the person set free was most assuredly actually the killer and Ellison was wrong and yada, yada, yada. I'm assuming this person went on to kill more people or something like that. But, um, yeah, so this killer went free. Obviously the cop's like, I don't want you fucking around with this stuff and asks him to leave. And he's like, no, obviously I'm not going to leave. I just bought this house. Like I'm moving in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he talks about the missing girl and the family. Um, So apparently the family from the cold open is the family that Ellison's writing about. And they have a daughter that was not hung um, and she is missing. And so Ellison wants to find out what happened. Why did they get executed? Where did the little girl go? And he's kind of asking the sheriff, like, don't you want to know? And the sheriff is like, I don't think there is a way to explain something like this. And even if you could, I don't think you would want to know. Which is just kind of like a fun, spooky warning to let dogs lie. So the sheriff leaves uh, after Ellison offers to sign a copy of Kentucky Blood for him, which the sheriff declines. And as he's walking back toward the house, his wife asks him, you know, we didn't move into a house a few houses down from a crime scene, did we? And I'm like, nah, bitch, you moved into the fucking crime scene. (laughs) Uh, Fucking husbands, man. But Ellison's like, oh, no, 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 we didn't move a few houses down from a crime scene, um, which is fucking treachery. That's, um fairy bullshit right there um he goes out back and we get to see the murder tree and the limb cut off and everything um so that's great definitely one of the best life choices ever right off the cuff ellison goes into the attic later and finds a scorpion bad fucking hate scorpions scorpions are really hard to kill personally i'm glad i don't deal with them here in kansas very much i could make a killing off of them if they were around here but fuck, man, they're hard to kill. Nobody's happy when you have to kill scorpions because they just, they're hard to kill. But anyway, as he's doing that, he's playing with trying to kill the scorpion, he finds some film reels in a box. Um, and they all have, like, super nice names. Um, you know, uh, swimming, pool party or something like that, and, uh, family barbecue, things like that. 
Um, and these are all filmed with Super 8s. Um, so the, the, they have dinner. He's like, okay, I'm going to take this box because obviously this isn't mine. Um, and he thinks it belongs to the previous owners of the house, which is the murdered family. So he thinks there might be some evidence there. So he takes it downstairs and puts it in his office. And then he has dinner with the fam. And it's made very clear that the kids are never allowed to go into dad's office. So the older son kind of understands more, like he's got a firmer grasp on what his dad does for a living. And so he wants to know, like, who died? What are we looking into? And he's like, the mom is very against the kids knowing anything. And so the dad kind of goes along with that. Um, they're, they're not allowed to know literally anything. Um, and so the son, like, you know, the dad's kind of like, well, he's kind of got a right to know. I mean, we moved her. Actually, I think it's the son who's like, I have a right to know. Like, we picked up and we moved out here for specifically this, and I don't know anything. And I'm going to hear about it at school anyway. So the mom, of course, freaks out, which, personally, uh, I think he's got a point. Obviously, he's going to find out. His dad's a very famous writer that moved into this tiny town. And they're literally living in a house where people were murdered. So, obviously, people are going to talk shit about that. And I think he's either in middle school or on the cusp of middle school. So, definitely, those middle school-aged assholes are going to say something to him. So, he's going to find out one way or another. And you might as well tell him in a way that's more easily digestible than a bunch of assholes, uh making fun, you know, being like, ooh, your house is haunted and spooky because people got hung there. But whatever, I'm not the parent. This is, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys. Whatever. So right before bed, um, the wife and Ellis and his, Ellison and his wife are talking and she's basically like, I want you to write fiction. Um, she's like, I, you know, then we wouldn't have to do this all the time. And, you know, writing fiction makes you happy. But Ellison is like, no one wants to read my fiction. Um, like it's dog shit, basically. Uh, <laughs> so I have to do this in order to make money. And so she tells him, she warns him, you know, if this goes sour, um, I'm going to take the kids and leave. And he's like, okay, but it's not going to go sour. And I can imagine. So, like, basically she's implying that the the book he wrote where, uh, you know, the killer went free, obviously <laughs> people were pretty pissed off about it. And they would air that, those discrepancies, those grievances with his poor wife who is, like, just trying to be, you know, she's just trying to shop at the grocery store or put gas in her car, which kind of fucking sucks. So she's like, I don't want to go through that again, and I know the kids can't. So if this goes sour again, that's it. We're done. You and I are done. I'm packing up, and I'm going to my sister's, and the kids are coming with me. He, of course, is like, oh, it's not going to go sour because he's very, uh, he's very ego, um, he just, he's very much like, I'm Mr. Popular Writer, and that's what I have to be, and that's what I have to keep doing, and blah, 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 which I think is fucked, but whatever. Um, so in his office, he has a fun murder wall with, like, the yarn and the tacks and, you know, all the little, like, crazy people, conspiracy board looking shit, which is fun. And he's looking through the police photos, and he sees... The box, he does not see the box of film in their photo of the attic. So, 
he decides, hey, maybe they've got some kind of clue in them. I'll watch them. He thinks, like, mayhaps the murderer came back and left these here. So he sets up the Super 8 reel and starts playing it. Um, and these are not happy fun times. I repeat, not happy fun times, as the titles of each of the videos and recordings would suggest. The title of this film is <laughs> Hanging Out. And uh, it's a film of the family that died there. They're playing in the backyard and they're having fun. And then it cuts to them <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. So, um, we, we still don't see who cuts the branch. It's literally the cold open. And we're still not seeing, excuse me, who it is that's cutting that branch. Ellison pours some whiskey and watches again, makes good notes, asking all the good questions like, um, what the fuck? And, uh, what the fuck? And, uh, oh my gosh, what the fuck? Um, so we, then we hear some spooky sounds and it's just the daughter confused and trying to find the bathroom. Um, they have a sweet moment and then he plays the next reel. And this one is called Family Fishing Trip and Cookout. Um, so they're, or I think it's called Family Barbecue. They're fishing at first, um, and it kind of implies that they catch fish and yada yada. So then it cuts to, there's a car in a garage, and the car, the, the car is chained up all around. Um, so, like, no one can open the doors or get in or out, and there's people inside the car, and it's the family who is fishing. And they're tied up, their mouths are duct taped. Um, and I just want to say that I love the sound design in this movie. It really just gets under your skin, it grates against your nerves. This movie is not like, um, it's scary in that the ideas in the movie are scary and what you see is horrifying. Um, but there's no like, like, there are a few jump scares, but I don't consider a ton of jump scares to be scary because a lot of jump scares do not build tension properly, and this movie suffers from that as well. Um, so I don't find them really scary because I'm like, it's cheap. Anyone can do that. Um, but to put something like this in a film, a little bit different, it's horrifying in its own way, in its own right, and it is very horrifying. This movie is super disturbing, and that's what that's kind of why I like it so much. But um, the sound design is just amazing. So we're looking at this car. Someone is filming around the car to show the whole thing. Um, and we see this weird painting on the hood of the car. And then a, a, like a Molotov cocktail sort of thing is tossed into the car. And the whole thing is just whoosh. It goes up in flames. Um, and it, it just like consumes the whole vehicle inside outside like flames are busting out the windows the people the car starts to shake um so the people can't really escape or anything but you can tell that they're f being burned alive and it is just it is something man and uh ellison of course is very shook by these tapes and he goes to call the police to turn these tapes in but then he sees uh, and, and he really does call the police. Like, I'm not just implying, it's not an implication. He calls the local police department, tells them it's an emergency. He gets connected to someone with the police department and he just never says a word because he sees his bestseller sitting on the shelf and he hangs up. And of course, it implies, you know, he wants to Scooby-Doo the fuck out of this thing. 
which is such a bad choice. I mean, it's a horror movie, so obviously it's a bad choice. But in real life, this is equally a horrible choice. Like, take all of the spooky, spooky, ooky, uh, boogeyman shit out of it. Still a horrible decision. Um, so there's more reels, and their titles are Lawn Work, Sleepy Time, and Pool Party. That's gonna be exciting. So before he gets to Pool Party, he hears something and thinks it's his daughter Ashley, and it isn't. Um, and this is like, I think the movie is too dark in certain spots. And this is where I was like, okay, it's too fucking dark here. I can't see shit. But Ellison sees a box and his son does like a backwards crawling exorcist bullshit thing out of the box. And he's screaming. Um, and the son's name, the son's name is Trevor. Um, Trevor apparently has night terrors. And this is kind of normal for him. Um, <laughs> so Ellison is just like, treats it like it's normal. His wife also kind of treats it like it's normal, which is surprising. Um, cause she's like this, I thought the doctor said that this was going away, you know, and he's like, it must be the stress from the move, yada, yada. And Ellison, after they put Trevor back to bed, nearly tells his wife about something. The house, the film reels, the murder, you don't really know. Um, but he's gonna say something and then he stops himself. Um, and then the next morning they're talking at breakfast and they're like, oh, Trevor had his night terrors again. And Ashley's like, did you try to pee in the dryer again? And he's like, stop bringing that up. That was only one time. I only tried to do that once. And it's so, it's such a fun family moment. Um, Ashley says she thinks she had a night terror, um, but the dad's like, nah, if you had a night terror, like, we would all have noticed because it's like a nightmare, but 50 million times worse. And that is like, that's super true. Um, night terrors are extremely different from nightmares. Um, I've never had a night terror, I don't believe. Um, but I used to have nightmares all the time. Sometimes I still do, so... Yeah, I get it. Um, so the family after that leaves to go to school. The wife's going to go do uh, stay-at-home mom things, stay-at-home wife things, whatever. Um, so Ellison finally gets to do the pool party. And we see that the family's having fun during the day. Everybody's having a laugh. It's a good time. We're playing out at the family pool behind the house we're swimming and just splishing and splashing and doing all the good shit and then it cuts to night and again sound design is impeccable in these little short reels um the family is duct taped to pool chairs lying down uh so they're lying on their backs duct taped to these pool chairs and their mouths are duct taped shut. And you can see that a rope is attached to the end of each one of these pool chairs. And someone, as they're filming, whoever is filming, pulls the ropes one by one and pulls each family member into the pool. And again, the way it's done is so realistic and so disturbing. Um, like, my favorite is you know, the, the, the first one goes in and the second one goes in and they kind of like crash into each other. Their feet are moving. They're, you know, trying to wriggle free. It's just very disturbing. And I think it's very well shot. So then as after 
all the family members have been successfully pulled into the pool, the camera pans a little bit and we see a spooky figure in the bottom of the pool. And when um, Ellison pauses and looks at it, the Super 8 reel begins to burn. So at this point, two things happen. He, you know, he's looking at basic editing for Super 8, uh, but the spoopy figure is definitely gone completely. It got burned up. He can't get it back. So he gets smart and decides to digitally record what is going on with the Super 8s. So he's got his digital camera basically next to the Super 8 reel. That way he's filming while the film is going, uh, which is just a, a genius move. So after that happens and he figures out he's not getting that that image of the spooky guy back mom and trevor are clearly home and they're arguing and obviously that's not good so of course ellison's like what the hell happened trevor drew the hanging family on the whiteboard in permanent marker at school um which is not great this leads to of course the wife's pissed off at Trevor, then she's pissed off at Ellison, then Ellison is, of course, defending his decisions and defending his son a little bit, and she's like, you're being ridiculous, so they fight. Um, and that night, uh, Ellison plays the next reel, and it's, uh, this is the sleepy time reel. Someone is walking through a house at night, you see a weird symbol drawn on a cabinet in the house, and the family inside the house, they're all individually tied up in their beds where they would normally sleep. And one by one, someone is just taking a kitchen knife and slitting their throats while they're laying there tied up and duct taped up. And Ellison, at this point, starts drinking whiskey right from the bottle, um, which I cannot blame him. He prints out the spoopy symbol, which is smart, and he's tr and he finds a clue as to who these people are because there's, like, a piece of mail or something. These people are known as the Millers, and so he's, like, doing his little research, um, and he figures out that the family was killed except one, the youngest, Christopher, is missing. Um, so there's a noise and the lights go out while he reads about Christopher and the Millers. Um, he uses his phone light to investigate, hears noise, grabs a knife from the kitchen. And I am like, why does this guy not own a gun? Like he's a true crime writer who is since severely pissed off at least an entire town of people. The sheriff is always asking him to leave whatever town he moves into and this man doesn't own a fucking gun. Like, what? How does that make any fucking sense? He goes up into the attic, the fool, with just his phone and a knife. The attic door slams shut behind him. And I was like, this, like, he really does not deserve to live through this. Like, this, this whole, like, domino effect of choices he's making, it, it, like, he should be... He should be done. He should be killed. Um, but it's just a fucking snake under a box lid. Uh, but the box lid has childlike drawings of the videos with an added person into the mix. So it'll have like the hanging family and it'll have like mom, dad, me, you know, the brother and the sister's name or whatever. And then it'll have Mr. Boogie. And then same with the pool party. You've got the pool drawn out and you've got like the, the pool chair is drawn out and each of the family members is written down and then you see inside the pool mr boogie um 
So Ellison is like, so he goes to leave with this thing, but he falls through the ceiling. Um, and, and at this point he was filming what was going on too. I just want to point that out. Very important for later. He's filming when he goes into the attic, which is kind of a smart move. Still not as smart as going and waking someone up. Still not as smart as owning a gun, whatever. EMTs come and leave. Um, and then we get the introduction of deputy so-and-so and that is uh mr john rancone i think his name is um he is the one who plays eddie in the new it movie it two it chapter two and he is basically like he's a big fan you know he wants a signed copy of kentucky blood and he's like you know how in your acknowledgments you always have you know oh this wouldn't have been possible without the tireless efforts of deputy so-and-so and he's like i like to be he's like oh you want to be my deputy so-and-so and And he's like yeah so that's his name and we don't ever get a different name for this guy (laughs) it's fucking great not even in the sequel he just never gets a fucking name he talks with ellison about sounds in the attic and says it's probably squirrels and i'm like no like no like those were not squirrels barraging around you know partying in your attic sounds no no. um so after that um ellison decides to ask deputy so-and-so for info related to the millers and the car fire family since he doesn't have any clues on them he's like i just need to know family in a car on fire that's basically what he tells him and he's like where at do you know the name of the family and he's like nope that's why i need you so um after deputy so-and-so leaves the wife kind of apologizes and makes up with ellison ellison watches a rerun interview about kentucky blood which is his best book um and it's kind of like you know a young bright-eyed bushy-tailed ellison who's just out there for justice and he's like i'd rather cut my hands off than write for the money and uh here he is writing for the money good work buddy really stuck to our ideals on that one um ellison then later looks more closely at the hanging video and the lid drawings um, and the fang, the, the fanging, the fanging family, the hanging family belonged to, um, the, to the person, um, drawing the, the, the thing. So drawing on the lid that is, which is Stephanie, the missing girl. And so Ellison, um, also sees the spoopy guy, uh, wherever, he was drawn in the tape so like i said you know the one drawing he's drawn in the pool he can see him there the drawing is you know mr boogie is over here that's where he is he prints all the photos of mr boogie and then the next morning uh ashley decides like oh mom can i help make dad's coffee mom's like oh that's so nice um Deputy so-and-so calls about the burning car in Sacramento. He says it's a Martinez, the Martinez family. They were all killed except one of the boys. Uh, One of the sons is still missing. The Millers had moved to Ellison's house at some point. 
And basically what they mean by that is that at some point, of course, the Martinez family had moved into Ellison's house and then they moved back out. Um, and Ellison is like, oh, really? So he's looking at like the property deeds or whatever previous property ownership of his house. Um, and as he's doing that, there's like a picture of Mr. Boogie up on his computer screen and it moves. Um, so then he's like, oh, okay. He confirms that information. And then we see him looking at um, the video footage of him exploring the attic after he heard that sound. And in the video of Ellison falling through the ceiling, we see little hands grabbing him, like a ton of little hands. So he's spooked by that. And then that night, Ellison hears the sound of the reel going and he goes to investigate, but no one is in his office. The reel of the family hanging out is playing both on the reel and his computer which is fucking spooky. And then we get uh, a jump scare with the background photos. He grabs a bat. Again, why does he not own a gun? At this point, he should have bought himself a fucking gun. Like, he literally, like, in Ellison's mind, he thinks that the killer who killed these people and kidnapped their children took video footage of it and brought it back to his house and put it in the attic after the crime scene was cleared. So clearly, whoever this person is knows how to get in and out of his house. And he thinks that there's like a real person out there doing this shit. And he still doesn't buy a fucking gun. Why? So he grabs a bat instead and he investigates. And he finds Trevor outside in a bush where Mr. Boogie was during the hanging video and of course he brings trevor back in and then he had dropped his flashlight in order to pick up trevor and he goes back out to grab the flashlight and the bat um and there's a dog there like a big roddy just growling at him and he's just like he's very calmly talking to the dog trying to get it to not you know attack him and he's like i'm just gonna grab my bat in case i need to bash your brains in um which is fun and behind him though we see these spooky figures and it's like from the dog's point of view and so when the dog like when they leave the dog leaves and so Ellison goes inside and he and his wife argue about his work she clearly like does not think that this is worth it like she's like this hurts our family every time you do this it hurts us it tears us apart people hate us like, I just want to be a normal family. I don't care about the money. I don't care. Like, just, just, like, do what you want to do, you know, as far as the fiction stuff goes. I don't care that it doesn't sell well. We'll do other things, like, it's fine. But he denies that anything is wrong and promises that everything is worth it. Which, of course, is always a great sign. They communicate really well, really good at compromise. 15 out of 10 couple. Anyway... The next day, uh, Dibbity so-and-so arrives with stuff, and he comes inside to let Ellison know he knows the murders are connected. So he's like, if I'm going to keep helping you, I need to be in the loop with this. So Ellison kind of explains. He's like, these are ritualistic killings, all but the youngest die. They're spread out over time and space. There's this weird symbol. You know, and so Deputy So-and-So suggests that Ellison talk to a professor at a university that specializes in cult crime. Ellison wants Deputy So-and-So to figure out uh, the pool party uh, place, essentially, like where it took place. And then we finally, finally, finally get to see the last reel 
we're outside a house at night and we see a family on the couch watching TV, just chilling out. And then we go to a shed and we get the lawnmower out. Put two and two together, y'all. I know you can do it. You can put these two things together. So the camera and its light are focused right at the lawnmower. And like the they turn the lawnmower's on, it's going, you can hear it. You can tell it's going. Light and the camera are focused right at it. And it starts going and of course it runs over someone. Like someone just pops into the focus the frame real quick and the lawnmower just keeps going. And like Ellison is so surprised. Like, bro, how did you not see that coming? You've literally watched, like, five snuff tapes at this point. And this is from the same box. Like, this is very telegraphed. It's super cool, but it's very telegraphed. You should have anticipated that. Like, after everything else you've seen, buddy. But, whatever. Uh, So, he goes and he has a smoke. And video chats with Professor Jonas on the compute. And the professor is a fan and knows about, luckily knows about this symbol and these cases. And this symbol is a pagan deity symbol. Bagul, the eater of children. Fun. Sounds like the kind of guy you'd want to have at your party. Uh, Bagul lures and tricks children and then traps them in his universe to feed on their soul over time. Absolutely lovely, gentlemen. Worship includes sacrifice or the eating of a child. Sounds like a fucking great group to be part of. Where do I sign up? Um, The professor speculates it's more of an initiation, these murders, rather than an act of worship. So Ellison puts reels away and locks his office. Um, But that night, the hanging reel's playing and his office door is open after he goes to sleep. Ellison shuts it all off and grabs his bat again. And I just, why the fuck has he not bought a gun yet? He could have ordered one online even. And this motherfucker just has a baseball bat to defend against a fucking serial killer or a fucking whole cult. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? This is America. Get yourself a damn gun, dude. And then we get this, like, spoopy little girl ghost jump scare as Ellison is checking out his house. um, And he doesn't see her. And we get spoopy kids following him around the house. And it's those missing kids. Um... And then the reel turns on again after he makes a full round, um, but nothing is playing. He double checks and everyone is awake, or so it seems. Ashley has painted the hanging family and Bagul, and one of the ghost girls is there and they can clearly see each other. She motions for Ashley to stay quiet. Ellison locks everything and that is... You're only just now locking your house at night. The fuck is wrong with you, man? And Ellison is so spooked that he decides to fall asleep on the couch with a bat in his hand. Or maybe he's just that drunk, I don't know, or just that tired. Um, And he finds the reels and puts them away again. Uh, Ellison calls Deputy So-and-So over to ask if there was anything weird about the Stevensons, which is the Hanging Family. And this is like, I think this is the first time we're hearing their name very clearly which is why I haven't said it before. Um, And Deputy So-and-So is really, really sweet. Like, he's like, I understand what you're meaning and, you know, all that stuff. What did you see? And Ellison's like, I don't believe in supernatural stuff, but I just want to know, like, if basically if the Stevensons reported anything. 
And Dippity So-and-so is like, look, man, I think you're just freaked out. There's a lot of stress. You know, this this has been a really dark, dark <laughs> case, basically. Um, and you didn't expect it to get this dark. Um, so I think you're just kind of like, you know, I think you're just kind of freaked out. And he's like, so you don't believe in any of that stuff? And Dippity So-and-so is like, no, man, fuck that. I would never sleep in this house. <laughs> And it's so great because he's like, he goes straight from like logical to being like, if you sleep in this house, man, it's just going to mess with your head. And you're like, man, deputy so-and-so, like you was, you was doing some really good calming him down, but then you just fucking lost it. Later, Ashley start, Ashley's paintings have started bleeding out of her room and into the hallway. Um, and Ashley painted Stephanie on the wall and says Stephanie told her to put it there since Ashley's room used to be Stephanie's brother's room and she didn't want the painting in there. And Ashley clearly knows what she's talking about, too. Um, and she basically says, like, oh, no, that's the family was hanged here. Stephanie used to live here, blah, blah, blah. Wifey is not happy with Ellison. They have a big, big fight. She makes it clear she fucking hates his work. She's like, I can't believe you lied to me. And he's like, well, I didn't lie to you because you asked this. And technically, that's not true. And she was like, I'm going to punch you in the head, basically. And Ellison is such a dry drama queen. Like, he's like, writing gives me life. Writing gives me meaning. It's my legacy. Fucking idiot. And the wife agrees with me. She's like, your kids are your legacy, dumbass. Um, and then that night, Ellison falls asleep watching an old interview where he says he wants kids. He's got his whiskey glass in his hand. And he's like slumped over like fucking old man style. And his wife wakes him and takes him to bed. And then Ellison is in the bed. Light is on him. When it shuts off, he hears weird things. Office door gets open, reel starts playing, he turns on the light, but the reel and film are gone. He is confusion. And the attic stairs are now down, and there's a light coming out of the attic. And this is like, man, you should be fucking dead. This is like a big time no-no. Um, absolutely not. Hard pass, genuine no. Get yourself a gun, you fucking idiot. Um, but of course... Ellison still has not gotten himself again, so why is he going to listen to any other sort of common or lo common sense or logic or reasoning? He goes and he peeps into the attic, and there's the ghost kids, and they're watching the reel, and they turn in unison and hush him, and then we get the dumbest, like, to me, it just cheapens the movie so fucking much. Oh, makes me cringe. Um, we get a jump scare of Bagul on screen, um, basically where he just, like, leans into the camera, like, the actual film's camera, and, uh, Ellison falls ass backwards down the ladder, and the reel and the film are tossed through the hole in the ceiling, which is fucking great. Ellison grabs it all and takes it outside to burn it, and there's, again, just fun, 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 fun sound design. So good wife comes out and he's she's like what are you doing and he admits he's wrong he's thank fuck honestly he's like i'm wrong you know i was wrong we shouldn't have ever come here this is a mistake we need to leave now go get the kids we're leaving now 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 niggity now we are out skis he tells his wife go get the kiddos go get just like a couple changes of clothes no fuck all of our stuff it's staying here we're peacing we are gtfo um, so the wife goes and grabs the kids and some clothes and they get the fuck out. They're headed toward their old home. Uh, and as they are, um, 
like Ellison and his wife get like a little cute moment. Um, and they get pulled over by the asshole sheriff from the beginning because Ellison is speeding. And Ellison, as he's, you know, doing his license registration shit, he lets him know he's leaving. And the sheriff's like, well, were the people rude to you? Because I don't want to, you know, have a book where it says you guys got ran out of town by my townsfolk. And he's like, no, there's not going to be a book. And so the officer is like, well, then I don't think there's any reason for me to not get your autograph here on my copy of Kentucky Blood and then he like lets him go and the wife is fucking thrilled that he's not doing anything with this like he's not writing a book on this shit so at home deputy so-and-so calls Ellison but Ellison ignores it they hired a, a moving company to go get all their shit and bring it back to their other house which is fucking gorgeous their other house is a fucking mansion man so Ellison is chilling in his old office that's now his new office and he's like resetting it up and he gets um a Skype call I guess you would call it at that time it would probably be Skype um and it's from Professor Jonas and he gets more info from him um you know Professor Jonas explains not much left is written about Bagul because the early Christians believed that Bagul lived in art and writings about himself and that they were a gateway to his world, and they believed he could possess people and make them do awful things, or take kids to his realm through these artworks. So Ellison asks, what if you destroyed the images? And Jonas is, like, clearly confusion. Like, he's like, dude, this is, like, a made-up deity. Like, the fuck are you talking about? He goes, he literally goes, what kind of book are you writing? And he's like, I don't know. So Ellison ends the call and deletes all the videos with Bagul, all the pictures, all of it. Deputy so-and-so calls again. Ellison ignores it and decides to go to place a box in the attic. But there she blows. The box of home videos. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. Definitely. Awesome. Not a bad thing at all. This is boding very well for us. He tosses the box around and finds an envelope titled extended cut endings so back at it he goes he puts his little google super 8 knowledge to the test um puts that shit back together he gets another call from deputy so-and-so and he actually accepts it and deputy so-and-so tells him like hey the families had all lived in each other's houses like at some point in time and they only died after they moved back so basically the way this thing is working and, of course, because Deputy Sonzo is not experiencing these things, he's not completely in the loop. He has no idea about anything about Bagul. He thinks that this is simply a serial killer. So he thinks that by moving back into his old house, he has sped up the timeline on this serial killer. So, basically, the way it works is you're the one family. You move into the Bagul family's house weird shit starts happening, you move back into your old house, or you move into a different house, and then Bagul kills your whole family. Then someone else moves into that house, the house that you died in. They start experiencing weird shit. They don't like it, so they move back or they move out. And then at that new house, they die. So then someone moves into that house. And so it just kind of keeps going and going and going. And it kind of spreads like a plague a little bit. Um, so he basically lets him know, like, if you're, if this is really a serial killer out there, you've just sped up his timeline. Uh, which is super good news, fam. Thanks for that phone call. Fucking love it. Appreciate it. Shout out to Deputy So-and-So for, uh, 
not being afraid to break the bad news. So, um, we get the extended cuts of all of these films, all of the, you know, the hanging out, the barbecue, the pool party, the sleepy time, the lawnmower, and it literally goes hanging, barbecue, pool party, sleepy time, lawnmower, and it shows that the murderer was always the missing kids, um, and Ellison, he's obviously, like, he feels sick. Is it the videos? No, it's the weird glowing goop in his cup that his lovely daughter brought him the fucking youngest child, child that always goes missing from these families, and the child that is always the murderer in these fucking reels. And I want to tell everyone right here, right now, that I fucking hate kids trying to be creepy. Like, kids can be naturally creepy on their own, doing their own thing, but when they actually try to be creepy, it fucking sucks. That was like, like, when we were watching the Pet Cemetery remake, and if I ever do an actual review of that, like, you'll hear me say this again on that. I was so excited for 0.2 seconds when he wakes up and goes downstairs and the daughter is dancing and then breaks something and just glares at him. And I was like, is she not going to say anything? Is she just going to be silent the rest of this fucking movie? Like, that would be so terrifying. Like, I was like, that would be so scary if she just never said a word. She's over here doing all these malicious, vile, horrible things, and she just says nothing. But then she opened her mouth and tried to be scary, and it ruined it completely. Like, it was just, it automatically made it so much less scary. I think the creepiest thing a kid can do is be silent or be normal doing whatever fucked up thing it is because kids have the wildest capabilities they have the wildest um desires like the wild they just they're wild and you never know what they're gonna do they're completely unpredictable so if they're just doing whatever horrible thing they're doing acting completely normal normal about it i think that's the creepiest thing a kid can do like Pet Cemetery remake, she's like, oh, pussy and dirt, like, your mother sucks cocks in hell kind of shit, and I'm like, that's just not, it's not scary, like, that's not scary. The reason it worked in The Exorcist is because they had a voice actor doing those lines, so, anyway, um, so after he takes in the, 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 he sees the gook, the green glowy gook in the bottom of his coffee cup, his daughter is there and basically explains I'm gonna fucking kill you now. Um, and the whole family's tied up. Ellison's comment about them not needing to scrub the blood off the walls earlier in the film comes back to bite his ass. Because, like, when him and his wife are having an argument, when she finds out that they're living in the murder house, he's like, it's not like they had to scrub blood off the walls. Jesus! Like, calm down! And, uh, comes back to bite his ass. Ashley films, um, she has an axe in hand, and we cut to paint on the walls. Uh, including Bagul's symbol, and this is all obviously painted in blood, um, and we get lots of fun close-ups of the painting down the walls of the hallway, um, and then the, keep the creepy kids are there now, and they're ready to collect Ashley, but Ashley is watching the reel back, she's adding her family to the box's lid, and then Bagul kind of like scoops her up and takes her into the film reel, uh, and the new real can, because, you know, Super 8s come in cans, they don't come in, like, VHX boxes or CDs or anything like that, so the real can reads, house painting. Fucking nice. And it's been added to the box. Lovely. 
Then we get one last Fagul jump scare, which I think is fucking stupid. And then the movie ends. And I think all in all, it's a very decent watch. Um, like I said, the trailers give it all away. Um, and I really don't know what it's like to watch this movie without knowing the plot twist. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I knew what it was like to watch this movie and not know the plot twist. But, um, yeah. Again, hate kids trying to be creepy. Like, they, they're just not creepy when they're trying. When they're not trying, they can be creepy as all shit. You know, they can be creepy as all get out, man. But, like, when they're trying, it's just not scary. Just, it ruins the effect. Um, but I do love this storyline. Um, I think it's a really cool, really different storyline. And I think that there's great acting. And there's truly horrifying and haunting kills. Um, like I said, the jump scare is kind of cheap in the movie, which I hate. Um... Just because it's, like, it, man, like, it really was, like, crazy to watch. And, like, it, because of all these film reels that just, like, they have nice little names. Like, pool party, family barbecue. And, like, I didn't know exactly what each one of these things was. I knew about the lawnmower one. And I was really excited to see that the first time I watched this movie. But I didn't know about the barbecue. And I didn't know about uh, sleepy time, which that one's not that exciting even though it is haunting. Um, and the sound design in this movie, the atmosphere in this movie, they do a really good job. I think the dialogue is good. They get a lot of information put out in a short period of time and not in a way that makes you want to bash your head against the wall and not in a way that bores you. Um, so yeah, the jump scare is definitely cheap in this movie, um, but it's still very much worth your time. I love it. I think this movie is good. Um, I think it could have been better in some ways. Um, I don't know. Like I said, no jump scares. Kids don't try and be creepy. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, overall, it's a good one. Definitely worth your time. I mean, uh, I'd watch it again. I own it. So like I clearly every once in a while, I'm like, oh, let's just watch Sinister because I, I love the kills in this movie. They're really cool. Very different. Um, and I think it's very different to have all these different kids as your killer. And unfortunately, this movie doesn't really need a sequel, but it got one anyway. Like I said, I would really like to know what it would be like to watch these this film and not know the plot twist. So when you already know the plot twist and you go into Sinister 2, it's kind of... And it's not, and it's not nearly as fun because it's literally the same group of kids so it's not like there's a different like tie up like there's not like a different branch of kids and killings and shit so you're just looking at the drama of this family this mom and her two sons who are being visited essentially by Bagul and Bagul is basically trying to take one of these sons to help him do Bagul shit so it's just not necessary it's not necessary. There was a way to do a sequel that could have been really cool and really um, exciting and really horrifying, um, but they didn't do that. Like I said, they could have done a whole different sect of Bagul kid kills and stuff like that, but they just, they fucking didn't. So, um, whatever. That's fine. Um, this has been the Beware of the Moon podcast, though. Other things going on. Um, I've got my Rumble channel. Check me out there. Beware the Moon. Type that in. You'll find it. 
Uh, I'm on YouTube, but not as much as I am on Rumble, though. I do streaming on Rumble for games and stuff. Come talk horror movies at me while I'm streaming. I would, I would really love that. Um, the other thing is you can follow me on Twitter. I refuse to call it X because X makes it sound like a porn site and I did not sign up for that shit, man. If I wouldn't sign up for that shit, I would have. Um, so it's Twitter and at Twitter, you can at me at Beware Moon. Um, yeah. And then sophomore John and I over on Rumble, we're going through the Alan Wake game series. So that's been fun and exciting. We should start that back up, I think, Wednesday night. Um, so join us for that as well. Um, yeah, so, uh, hope you guys liked this. Hope you guys enjoyed Sinister. Let me know what you thought of it. Let me know if you think that there were some things that could have been better. Some things that maybe I didn't mention, or maybe you just agree with the things I did mention. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, anyway, this has been the Boy of the Moon podcast. Sorry for no outro, but, uh, beware spooky tapes that appear in your house. Beware uh, situations where you don't have a gun. Don't fucking do that. And then, as always, beware the moon.